Yo, that's still fucking creepy. Yeah, I know. It'll. Uh, yeah, it, we'll get used to it. We'll get used to it. <laughs> what, what oh, no, it's gonna be funny every time, dude. <laughs> what the crab or Craig? Crab and Craig. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and lead it off. Okay. Well, we don't uh, have do a name. Do like a? Do we want like a like a? What are they? Those fucking things Intros? you use? Like the like the black and white thing that like snaps down. What do you mean? Oh, the 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 one, the movies things the ones that say like like take one or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, got down three, two, one. Fucking hit the thing. Uh, yeah. Give me a second. He's gonna grab us again. <laughs> well, I know, I know. The next thing I'm ordering from this fucking Etsy shop is a is a crab thing that that has the fucking the little snap down. Can we get someone to alter cracked bobble into crab bobble? Crab crab bobble. What's gonna what's gonna what's gonna be great though is that we're gonna get super famous and someone's gonna send us Sue's imitation crab as a gift and he's gonna fucking just break out in hives. Wait, yeah, are you allergic to, to imitation crab? Yeah, yeah, that's why I can't. That's why like I don't eat. I don't sushi really eat sushi at a yeah. sushi at a like buffets. buffets and stuff like that. Yeah, even sushi from like H E B. I gotta watch out for what's what's imitation crab made out of. I thought it was like fucking <laughs> like I don't know, man. Styrofoam, like shitty seafood, like parts uh yeah i don't know and it could be and it could be that there was something like specific in the imitation crab that i had or like whatever that imitation crab that i had that one mm-hmm. time was that made me break out in the hives and but i don't know yeah it's really odd when i meet someone who's like who's like allergic to something because like i'm not i'm not allergic to anything and and um <laughs> one of zara's co-workers is like deathly allergic to pineapple and I was like, oh, I've never heard of that one. I've heard yeah, of like that, the, you know a weird one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she, she, uh, her coworker walked into another coworker's room, um, and she had a, a container open that had pineapple in it. And as soon as she walked into the room, she could she, like she basically she said out loud like, oh, like have you been eating pineapple? And then she just had to like run out and like get her epipen from her room or something like that. And I think she like she left for the day because she, she she was just having like a really bad reaction to it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Similar to like uh if you eat pineapple it makes your jizz taste good. Uh better. Probably not good. Probably yeah. <laughs> I don't know I about mean, I don't know about that. I've heard that before. Alright, uh, uh so let me Oh but by the way, uh some kind of white fish and then like mixed with fillers like wheat, egg, and then binding ingredients. So probably you're probably allergic to, to one of those binders is what I'd guess. Yeah, maybe maybe like five star like you might just feel subject to fucking or... shitty sushi. Yeah, like yeah. I mean it's not buy my boy Xanthium gum. I mean I'm not I don't hate it. I don't hate the fact that I'm allergic to Oh they say you don't hate Xanthium gum I was like, <laughs> I was like that's cool man. Like I'm I'm glad you, I'm glad you and my boy Xanthium gun are good friends. Yo, Xanthium uh, gum is like fucking every like cooking show now. Mm-hmm. It's in... <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. Uh, all right, let me. All right, we can we can go ahead and get started. So, cool. Hey everyone, welcome to the uh, Untitled Flesh and Blood podcast. Uh, episode zero, test episode, test episode. Um, I'm your host. Can you can you not say test episode? <laughs> Also, 
No one's listening, them. so you don't have to address them. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's all just practice, practice. No, yeah, it's practice, it's practice. Also, why um, crap? <laughs> um so uh this is episode zero. We're gonna be introducing ourselves, giving some quick background. We like to thank our sponsors, uh uh HelloFresh, um Bombas and G Fuel. <laughs> G Fuel. You'll hear mo- more about them later. Yeah, don't forget to play Raid Shadow Legends and, <laughs> <laughs> and Teppin. <laughs> Okay. Uh so uh yeah, so I'm your host, Jesus. Uh here with me is uh two buddies of mine who've been uh we've been friends for a while and we've played all sorts of games at various uh levels from casual to reading the instructions to going to tournaments, uh Rodrigo and Matt. We're, hey we're actually just one person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're 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 actually just an ogre with two heads. Yeah, I control so, the legs, and sometimes we speak with a Cockney accent. So do you guys do just you guys each them. control like one hand? No, or... no, no. Ma- Matthew controls the legs. Uh, I control the hands, and uh, and the the cock is autonomous. It's also the cock, backwards. The third person. <laughs> like the balls are on top. So, so it just looks like Gonzo from fucking <laughs> from the Muppets. What? I, I'm right. picturing it, and it's pretty ridiculous. All right, all right. So uh, today on the docket, we got uh we got some. Sorry, hold on. I'm doing something real quick. Uh, we got Tiny some intros. No, I'm just posting a picture of Gonzo in the chat. Like Gonzo, yeah. Uh, up. Yeah. Uh, how we got into Flesh and Blood, our experience so far, what decks we play, and uh, what we're looking forward to in Tales of Aria. Aria. Uh, so who wants to uh, who wants to start it off? I think Rodrigo should actually start it off. How did you get into Flesh and Blood, Rodrigo? Because good question. Uh, so. Uh... What I it, this starts off with what I do for a living, which is I drive a truck all day, and that lets me basically listen to an unlimited number of YouTube videos and podcasts um, while I'm working. And my YouTube uh, channel is filled with stuff about comic books, stuff about the games that I play, like Dota, and like uh, and I still watch Magic videos, even though I don't play as much Magic as I used to. Uh, a lot of Hearthstone, and one day uh, I ran into an indie channel called Red Zone Rogue. And he covers a bunch of like, different card games, and he kind of his channel kind of really blew up when he started uh, talking about Flesh and Blood, and that's where I first saw a video about Flesh and Blood, and, and I was just like, oh, I mean, like I think I think the first artwork I saw was like, uh, like uh, of like Dorinthia and like fucking Reinar, right? Two pretty opposing characters in terms of art style, and I was like, oh, okay, that looks pretty sick. So I checked it out. Um, his video was basically like a you know, how to get started. So, you know, I watched the whole thing and I was like, all right, cool. So I went to, I went, and then afterwards I went to the Flesh and Blood website and I was like, okay, this, this, all right. Like, you know, it's still like, you know, looks like a pretty, you know, like fairly new game, right? Like it, it, it had kind of barely released in the States at the time. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot going on for it, but I was like, it looks interesting. Um, and I think 
right afterwards is when I mentioned it to you guys. Like, hey, uh, actually, I think I specifically mentioned it to Matthew. And I was like, hey, Matt, have you, you, you heard of this game? I think I texted him. I was like, hey, man, have you heard of this game called Flesh and Blood? I think Matt told me, like, yeah, I think one of my one of my buddies or something mentioned it, like, you know, like offhandedly or whatever, but I never really looked into it. And I was like, cool, like, I think we should check it out. I think it's something that we both might really enjoy. Because um, as I as I kept watching gameplay, I was like, like I really enjoy, I'm really enjoying, like, what I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm liking the mechanics. And uh when matt and i worked together uh something we were kind of like in the in the midst of designing uh, was like a sort of like fighting game in the in the form of a card game and it felt as of though this was i don't want to say like destiny but one of the things that matthew and i talked about in, in designing our game was uh, we want our cards to be both uh offensive and defensive that way you always have an ability you always have the ability to react to whatever your opponent is doing. And I think that's one of the biggest draws that brought me to Flesh and Blood was that the ability to uh react to what your opponent is doing is, is something that I'm that I super, that I very much enjoy. Um you're 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 never feeling like it's it's like someone's playing solitaire. It's usually someone is doing something and you, you, you're allowed the ability to do something about it if you want, right? Um that comes with risk and reward, but so yeah. So my my intro to Flesh and Blood was I saw a video one day and I talked to Matthew about it, and then afterwards, you know, I talked to you guys and you guys blew me off, which is great. Oh but yeah, we I, hard blew you off. But like I was persistent. Seven times. But I was persistent, and now you know we're here now. So that was my intro into Flesh and Blood. Yeah, and I think I mean I think Matt. Uh, Yours and mine's intro is a very similar story of just like... Because we got basically kidnapped into playing starter decks against each other? <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, but it Look, was You guys were already of, sitting uh, down. I just put the cards in front of you. Yeah, it was just uh, a lot of telling Rodrigo just to uh, no. Just, <laughs> we're not going to play this game. Uh, this game looks looks and sounds stupid and <laughs> we're just not going to do it and then it was uh it was a saturday right no it was we, like uh, monday or something i thought it was something or sunday mm. it was a random day yeah we met up for lunch and then we were hanging out at uh uh one of our local shops here um and yeah rodrigo just just gave us two starter decks and then we just sort of we we played uh like three games like two or three games and i mean like that was pretty much it you know at least for me okay so like what what about those starter games kind of like clicked right like made it click like what was your what was your like aha moment like okay like i'll, I'll give this a shot uh well the first one was uh uh i won the second game so when i win at a game like i'll give it a shot but if i would have <laughs> If Matt would have beat me twice, I think I would have just never played the game. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I died to Blood Debt, right? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, I think you died. You were playing Levia, and I think you yeah, died I think, to. I think every Levia game I've lost to Blood Debt. Yeah, classic Levia. Yeah, because I think I think like you went for the kill, and I just blocked it, and then you just died to Blood Debt. And I was playing, I was playing the uh, the Chain Starter deck. Mm-hmm. And literally nothing about that chain starter duck made me want to play chain. <laughs> I think you made two slow shackles in three games. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I I like the fact that the the game is so um, sequence intensive. Um, I've always enjoyed decks that are that are like that. A lot of the decks that I've played in uh, in Magic: The Gathering have always been pretty sequence intensive uh, decks, combo decks, or decks that um, are like value decks that have combos in them, and for you to generate those combos. Again, you got to play your cards in a specific way. It's just so like making the decisions and sequencing things correctly is something that I try. Like that's what attracted me to this game. <laughs> um, and I mean that's that's pretty much it. Like that was enough to sort of get me into this game. What about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, something similar. You know, we played those few games and. I was promised this game was an anime, <laughs> uh, which is, of course, a lie. But Look, there's only one anime character in this game, all right? I don't there's, know. There are three ninjas, <laughs> sir. There are ninjas three aren't ninjas. anime, all right? There ninjas are like two anime. in the class Runeblade. <laughs> uh, Runeblade is definitely something more like from Baldur's Gate, like fucking like, some D&D shit. Chain's at least gothic. <laughs> <laughs> and he can be kind of fantasy. Viserai is pretty anime. All right, fine. I, I I can see that there are at least two anime characters. Oh, there's definitely more. <laughs> Benji is 100% anime for sure. I mean, yeah, Benji's Benji is definitely anime. anime. I mean, I'd say Kano is anime. I mean, he just looks like... Is he anime or is he just Asian? <laughs> I don't even know if he's Asian. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't think Kano's anime. He's just a fire wizard. He just throws fireballs at people. Yeah. And by that, I mean, like, he has, like, two fireballs in, like, that deck. And then he throws, like, sonic booms and chain lightnings. Sonic boom. And fork well, lightning. Yeah, like, he yeah. has, like, two fire spells. And they're his specializations. <laughs> um, yeah, something similar happened with, like, you know, us playing and. Uh, I really liked the whole kind of using your hand every turn aspect. It made uh, decisions and cards much more impactful because you drew a hand every turn, um, but you were forced to use a hand for both offensive and defensive purposes, which allowed you to kind of make a decision on on both people's turns to either block or just attack and mm-hmm. trading your life for a resource. And and so just like the basic mechanics of the game are really appealing uh, mm-hmm. in terms of flavor and uniqueness as well as just uh, something appealing to the competitive side of wanting to play a card game against somebody else. Um, and so it's been, yeah, a lot of fun playing and learning all the classes and all of them feel unique to each other, even the people that share classes. And, and so it's mm-hmm. been you know, just enjoyable uh, exploring all the different aspects of of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh that's one thing that I've also I guess like talking about or like so far our experience with Flesh and Blood. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, you can't it's, stop it's, making decks. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've uh like played one of these like like out I like 
out of left field like tcgs and just really like gotten into it as like hard as i've gotten into flesh and blood um i think that speaks to i think i think i think that speaks a lot right about, about the game because like we we've we've all tried fucking like different card games that just like obviously like died off and just like didn't didn't like just didn't have legs to stand on like fucking like force so well like like yeah. you know and and again that that was on me i try i try to get us into force so well as well and that just I mean, never panned out i mean i accomplished everything that i ever wanted to accomplish in force so well which was uh beat abraham at a major tournament which is what <laughs> i did round one of of uh the regionals that we were at and then i i mean i've i've retired from force so well right. after that a champion i also accomplished all my force of so will goals by not playing it <laughs> And then, and then Saw accomplishes first world goals by trying to pick up a place out of every uh, quote unquote dual land for the game. Oh yeah, <laughs> those worth anything? Are they still like five, ten bucks or something like that? I mean, like, I don't. I mean, I, I, I have to imagine. Yeah, is the game still alive? I mean, I saw, I saw a deck, I, or not a I deck think box. They, I, uh, I think they still make sets for it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a box of it uh, yesterday at the uh, at the shop. But it, at. but it might. It might it might have gone through the Vanguard thing where it was rebooted. I think at one point. Yeah. Yeah, because they got. I don't. I think I remember hearing Abraham or Jamie talk about like you can't use your you can't use anything from like set one to two or something like the first two sets or something. So like maybe it got rebooted or it went through a or it went through a rotation or something like that. It's something like similar the, like those... Vanguard, right? Where it's mm-hmm. released effectively uh, three times now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't use the first two sets, that's when that's where those dual lines were. So yeah, and I think that was a huge <laughs> part of it, like because because they were getting expensive because people were treating them like dual lines, and then and I think the company was just like, well, that's dumb, and then we're, they just fucking got rid of that. That's fair. Um, yeah, so so I've I mean I've had a blast uh, playing and you know going for four for four on opening cards that are worth more than my boxes. Um, we're not going to talk about the boxes that I bought today, but, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I like, I want to play so many decks, um, just because like Matt said earlier, like each hero plays so differently and you can, and even within like some, you know, some of these heroes have like, you know, you can play different versions of, Mm -hmm. of their decks and, you know, it's like, the decks can be pretty successful and that's also something that i like it's just like just knowing your matchup you like choose like choosing a deck and then just playing that deck against everything else and just really knowing these matchups is also something that uh that i've that i like so far about the deck just because like if you put the time into it learning the matchups learning about what cards to take out what you should look for adjusting your play with your deck and like i like being rewarded for that yeah. yeah, it reminds me of like um like a like an esport, like a video game where mm-hmm. you play like a like a MOBA or a fighting game and you have your pet characters uh that despite what the community might think they're good or not, mm-hmm. uh you can still get a lot of reps in. People might be either unfamiliar with the matchup or uh maybe just underestimate them and you can build success on almost anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I've, and going back to that, it's kind of like, so that's part of the reason why I've stuck to Bravo is because, like, I really want to learn, like, everything there is to learn about Bravo, right? Like, I've only ever built Bravo, and 
as soon as I got in the game, I was like, I want to play fucking Bravo. Like that guy looks cool. He hits people with a mallet. That's sick. You know, he's he's he, he's fucking he's one punch man. So that's pretty anime. All right, you know, Bravo might be a little anime, but you know, and I saw when I, when I saw a lot of his artwork, I was like, I was just like very, I was very drawn to it. I was like, all right, like cool, let's try Bravo. And as soon as I put the deck together, I was like, this is exactly what I want to be playing in this game. And so like I've only ever been playing Bravo. I, you know the armor events that i've gone to at altar have all been me playing bravo and i've definitely gotten way better at playing bravo from like the first two events where uh the first event i went to um i played against one of the guys there who was who was like playing azalea and i ended up getting a draw right and like now when i talked to my opponent who used to play Azalea, he was like yeah man you should have just like crushed me that game but i was like yeah but i was like that was literally like my first constructed game outside of you know maybe testing here or there with my friends and so i was like pretty nervous and i didn't understand what i needed to block and how i needed to attack and stuff like that but and then after that i just you know i won i won uh i won three or i went i got second place week two and then i won week three and week three week four playing against the exact same guys but having earned the matches by then like i understood exactly what i need what my deck needed to do in order to beat them nice yeah um i mean i haven't i like we haven't played matt and i haven't played an army events because we're still where i mean we're us just like everybody else we're waiting on crucible mm -hmm. uh unlimited to come out to finish our decks because i don't want to pay some of these prices <laughs> um makes sense but uh yeah i mean like the first thing that i put together was uh was dash and then just realized quickly that it's garbage the way that i built it <laughs> um and like it like it's cool like the mechanic boost is cool and just being able to to like do several things in a turn is really cool um but that's not like that's not really like it felt cool but it just didn't feel comfortable and so um i just decided to play the best deck in the format just uh <laughs> just get comfortable with that one no i mean dorinthia dorinthia i like i like dorinthia i like again like i'm always going to be uh excited about sequence heavy things and i mean i've already i've already like the testing that i've done with dorinthia i've already like learned so much about just like oh well playing this pump versus that pump and uh you know like stuff like that like really costing me games and so that's you know that's something that that i've really enjoyed uh playing dorinthia and so like that's like as long as dorinthia is good i'm gonna i'm gonna play dorinthia um i mean it's hard it's hard to play against um it's it can be hard to play but for the most part it's just really getting those sequences down and um knowing what to do or like when to go in on like a combo heavy turn has been uh like the learning curve for this deck mm -hmm. i mean because your deck is mostly attack reactions yeah yeah and right so, mm -hmm. yeah and i yeah just how to play those correctly and like that's literally just how i win or lose the game it also feels like Dorothy is uh, one of those decks where at the beginning you just start crushing people 
because she's hard to play against and mm-hmm. she's weird to block. Yeah. But then you start playing people and they start learning how to block you and you start losing and now you have to start learning like, okay, how do I sequence this correctly? How do I attack correctly? How do I bluff mm-hmm. uh, certain attack reactions? And, and so you get this weird bell curve of okay, I don't really have to know much or and then I have to keep learning as my opponents keep learning and it, and it keeps the play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially just uh, like changing like responding to like what my opponent is doing. If my opponent is just eating, you know, that first Domblade attack and and like calling my you don't have a way of giving it go again bluffs, then like you know leveraging that, like if my opponent's just gonna take three every turn, like, okay, cool, I can I can dump a majority of my hand and to block and and maintain that life lead that I have, you know. So that's that's also that's also been another aspect that's been pretty cool. It's just like this, like it's pretty it's pretty easy to learn how to do the, how to like, do the big damage mm-hmm. in this deck. But I mean, it definitely gets harder to do those things and to be a lot successful with this deck, a lot more successful with this deck. Like once somebody, once you play against somebody who knows, who knows the matchup, you know. And if it ever gets too tough, then yeah, hey, I have seven other decks to play. <laughs> and that goes back to one of like the. The biggest draws about this game to me is like, I th- I um I always kind of attribute it, and this might be this might be incorrect, Matthew. If you want to chime in after this, but I always kind of attribute it to like a fighting game where there's like um you're always kind of you're always kind of like playing footsie. Like the, I think that the highest level of this game is about playing footsies. It's about understanding the tempo of the game, right? Um, when does your opponent have it? Um, did your opponent take it? Did you allow them to have it? Are you are you setting up for something bigger? Like that kind of that's kind of what keeps me so intrigued. Even 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 as I play the exact same deck every time, right? It's because everyone plays the game. Everyone plays the game very differently, right? So, for example, um, like Abraham usually like will just allow me to like bash into him, no matter what. No matter what I'm really doing, he's like, I'll take it. Like I'll take it. I'll take it unless it's lethal, right? And I think that's a that's a I think that's a player aspect less than a deck that he's playing, because while Katsu can have um, like pretty explosive turns, um, it, like I said, I think it's like a risk reward thing, right? Like like how much are you willing to to hedge your bets on your hand as opposed to what your opponent is presenting right now, right? And that's what that's what keeps driving me back in this game is just like that like ebb and flow of like gaining tempo, losing it trying to get back to like neutral ground of like all right we're both kind of like uh, you know we're both pretty solid we're, we're just trading one or two cards here and there and so one of us gets like our big setup and that's that's what like fucking that, that's what i love about this game um it's just that back and forth yeah i think um i think uh the tempo aspect of this game is is I mean, it's naturally built in because card advantage doesn't mean the same thing it does in this game as it does in other games. So it's more about, you know, action economy. Like, what am I getting for my actions? What am I, uh, how many actions am I able to produce? What the efficiency of my actions are compared to what I'm allowing my opponent to do. And it has this back and forth where you can, you know, let your opponent have a big turn to try to have an even bigger turn or 
or try to just stop your opponent's big turn so that he has to take turns off and you can kind of get chip in at that point. And it mm-hmm. kind of relies on yeah, on that back and forth in the life total trade, which is a uh, uh relatively different from a lot of card games out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean um uh, yeah, like compared to Compared to every other card game that we've played, I feel like this one has felt the the most interactive, right? And I think that's what makes the matchups feel so grindy, is that this is the first card game I've played in a very long time where it felt like we were like both players are playing the game at the exact same time. Yeah. Um so something that uh, Matthew and I uh you know, uh play something something else we play is like miniature games. And in miniature games there there is some downtime. Uh, but that just boils down to like having to physically move pieces on the board, right? Um, if if they were if the miniatures were just in front of each other, then it would just be a, it would just be a game of rolling dice, right? And it's the the, the imagery that Matt, Matt always draws up is is his hands running into each other, right? Um, and so Flesh and Blood kind of feels has that aspect of we're always running into each other, but it's like it's much more nuanced than just like, oh, I hit you, then you hit me, and we're always just taking damage, and our our forty life total, you know, you know, is is done in three turns, right? Um, on, and so I think that's what keeps a lot of people in the game is that you never feel out of it, right? Like I, I never feel like I'm completely out of a out of a match, um, you know, I. I don't think every I don't think any match is ever a hundred zero. I think I mean there, I think there are definitely some like maybe eighty twenties, some seventy thirties, but everything feels like the worst is like maybe a sixty forty, right? And mm-hmm. for having forty percent to win a game is still an incredible amount. Um, you know, I'm gonna draw an analysis here to Dota, like you know, pros pros will play to to win a game even even if you know even if even if they understand the odds are, you know, fucking ten percent. Right, like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play to win this ten percenter, right? And I'm always gonna play to win that ten percent instead of trying, instead of just trying to like survive. Like this game is, this game kind of, I don't want to say punishes, but it, this game rewards that um, mentality of playing to win, right? So it's something, it's something that like even pros and like Magic will say, it's like, hey, play to your outs, play to win the game, don't play to survive. Playing to survive is just a, is just, is just equivalent of playing to lose slowly. Mm-hmm. Right, and in this game, I think playing to win um, is almost always rewarded. And I think I think that's one of the other things that I'm that I'm a huge fan of. Especially because playing to lose slowly in this game is just playing this game. Especially <laughs> <laughs> against Kadachi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I agree. There's um, uh, there's definitely this 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 big aspect uh, to the game that I think is super appealing, uh, even if you don't think about, which is the uh just the ability to outplay your opponent in this game feels always present mm-hmm. um whether it's just blocking better than they are taking you know a good risk versus them playing safe or taking no risk versus them playing really risky and punishing them for it and kind of mm-hmm. like you know a video game or even Michigan is a big part of that as well is is you always feel like there, there's always that chance that like okay if he messes up i can just win this game for sure. It's not like if you take something like magic and like 
or like Hearthstone and they get a big creature in the board, you might not have the way to deal with it. And now all of a sudden you lose to just being beaten for six every turn. Uh, yeah. And this, there's, you know, you don't really have anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, talking, or, uh, I guess like adding to what Roger Good said that like, uh, um, you know, that like, and at least in magic, like there are those like super uh, polarizing matchups where just like, there's, there's nothing your deck can do you know, to to win. And even, like, the really bad matchups in this game, like, it, it, it depends on how on how your opponent plays it, you know? If your opponent doesn't know the matchup, like, maybe, like, or their experience with the matchup is slightly different than your experience because, hey, the, the chain player in their meta is, like, plays chain super differently, you know? I mean, and, and, and like, I guess part of that is just that there's no... There's no like right or wrong way to play a deck just because like what you guys have been saying, like both sides um you know, interact, both sides uh like have responses or have the ability to you know, to win. There's not like like I you know, I can't give you a guide on how to play Dorinthia, you know. Rodrigo can give you a guide on how to play Bravo, but you know it, it's how it, it's, it, it's it's how he plays Bravo. It's not exactly. It's not like the defect. Like I don't think that there is like a de facto correct way of playing um, these these decks. You know, I think like every time that I see lists and stuff, like like the list might be the same, but you know the the player, you know, oh, in their experience, like they prioritize different things. You know. Maybe, you know, Spoils of War is something that you, I don't know, like you don't play right off the bat. Maybe that's the worst uh, way of giving your weapon go again for some reason, you know. And so, like, maybe those are used for, you know, pitching for to pay for other things or, like, Spoils of War is just not, like, it's not the way to generate the most amount of value in a given turn or whatever. Like, that's... You know, and that's something that I that I that I do like, and it's something that like it is. It's going to be fun to explore. The more deckless we get, the more like content that we get from the more people playing this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, you guys want to move? That, What's uh, up? Should we mention that uh, we we mainly play CC? Uh, uh, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> I like I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but most of the internet resources I find are primarily like blitz players mm-hmm. or blitz like articles, and they kind of don't always translate one to one to CC. And I yeah. imagine our experience of we've pretty much only been testing classic constructed, so we probably don't have the best insight on blitz. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a crazy good point just because I mean, for CC like you get that third copy of, you know, whatever. And so you have you a lot more like Yeah, you get you get like legitimate sideboarding you. You also just get 20 more health. Which I think is like the yeah. biggest like I think that's like the honestly the Some of us get 20 I think more that, health. 
<laughs> you get you get more health than than your young hero. Put it that way. But um, yeah. So yeah, we're definitely pr- pr- predominantly CC. Um, I don't hate the Blitz format. I'm not opposed to playing it. I'm going to play it, but it's me personally. It's not where the game shines for me. Um, I understand the appeal to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think for sure CC is where I'm like where I'm going to be playing a majority of my games. Yeah, I think yeah. we're both the same way. Me and Aces, or mm-hmm. we'll play Blitz, but it's it's like more of a side thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, am I gonna am I gonna grind out Blitz, Blitz like crazy uh, as soon as they announce a calling that's Blitz? Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, am I gonna fly to go play in a Blitz uh, calling? I don't know. You know. <laughs> I mean, and that's not to say that we're like that we're not keeping up with the with the with, with what's going on in Blitz. It's it's hard not to because, like Matthew said, a lot of a lot of content is about Blitz. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 would not surprise me if it is uh, you know, the Fab community's favorite format because of the uh, the the ease in which it is to like get decks because you only need two copies of every card, um, and the the quicker games. Um, but uh. Like I said, I think I think the game shines. The game, the game shines in CC, and yeah, we're not opposed to playing Blitz. And we'll, you know, we'll talk. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, I mean, obviously, I think we'll put Blitz decks together, test them out, and especially if there's like a calling announced in the future, and they're like, oh hey, you know, like you know, the first Blitz calling here in America, like yeah, like I'll, I mean, I'll go to it. I'll play my Blitz deck. Uh, if they haven't, if they haven't done anything about Ira, I'll probably just play Ira and be like, all right, well, you know, let's see what, you know, let's see what my matchups are against, you know, the other like, you know, sixty percent of the Iras at, at this event. I mean, we're getting mm. at least one new set before a big Blitz event, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we may we may even get. I mean, it might we'll it might not be even be until the next one because I mean, if Tales of Aria is is designed around limited. Then I'm pretty sure that we'll get. It's you know, well, a okay. That, that, that's, that a, that's a bit of a misnomer. Based. That's a bit of a misnomer. I don't. I want to say it's designer on admitted. I would say that it is. It is according to them their best, their best limited set that they, that that they personally have played in house. Um, I've gathered that people like Monarch as well limited. That the uh, light actually, shadow kind of. Kind oh of yeah, yeah, yeah. With the exception that Prism mm. is a is a complete and utter monster in limited. <laughs> yeah, like uh I think at the top eight for the draft uh at the calling in Melbourne, I think it was like five prison players, one Levia, one chain, and one Bolton. Yeah. I think yeah, that the the presence of Prism and Chain, I think, is probably the what what detracts from that. Yeah, because easier and more powerful and like that kind of format yeah prism super easy to build unlimited like it's not very difficult to draft a good prism deck um i think that dude matt rogers ended up winning with either levy or chain but that's because his draft tool was insane because everyone was drafting prism so he was like i guess i'll just take every shadow card and make an insane shadow deck yeah he uh he won with um with chain yeah there you go yeah. Yeah, so I mean I and 
And I, I get like I get why people like Blitz buying two cards. Like if I'm already spending you know X number of dollars on two copies, like oh I'm just done. I think mm-hmm. also like my experience with boxes, uh, with like purchasing boxes, like you're more likely to get you know a Blitz playset than than a CC playset. Uh, especially for those commons, just because like getting full playsets of commons from from a single box is almost impossible. Um. Mm-hmm. And like the time, the the quicker game is also another one because these these uh, these CC games like they're they're grindy, they're long, uh, they're pretty taxing. It'll be interesting to see when we go to Vegas just to um, see how many people maybe who are who are new to competitive TCGs are gonna feel like in those later rounds of the day. You know, I feel like we we have that. We have that kind of down just because we've we've all been to so many uh, uh, like magic GPs and SCG events and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. We that's why we have a team, Mom and Sus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so yeah, like until until they give me like a like a super valid reason to play Blitz, I'm definitely just gonna just mainly play cc so um i guess like uh we mentioned briefly tales of aria so uh this i guess like it got announced that it was tales of aria what this past week right mm-hmm. and so what do you what do you guys are well, like what are you wanting from this what have you guys heard about tales of aria so far what do you think the classes are going to be? Or I don't know if they've already said what the classes are, but like, what are you guys looking forward to with Tales of Aria? I believe there's no official spoiler, correct? No official spoiler, correct. So we all have our pet classes that I mm-hmm. think we all want in Tales of Aria to gain support or just at least a new hero. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want, we could say what class we want. And then, kind of what we'd like to see a playstyle out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can start because um, I spent, you know, thirty bucks on Red the Ledgers when I should have spent just nine dollars on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, real quick, yeah. just, <laughs> daily <laughs> specialization. <laughs> let me just throw in a real quick disclaimer: the the sets in the past have had four heroes and. Moving with Monarch forward, two talents. So just keep that in mind. Um, kind of like uh, that. That's kind of like what the template has been: is four heroes, and now moving forward, we should have two talents. Not, maybe not necessarily new, but odds are they're going to be two new talents. Gotcha. I yeah. Mean, I, I mean, that's that's also like that's probably what I'm most curious about. Um, I mean, there's only so much more you can give Dorinthia, you know. Um, I mean, I'll take all the uh, all the generic warrior you know oh pump some reprise cards or anything like that or give me you know give me a, a, a like a really good generic sword or something like that give me uh give me a better weapon potentially even though dawn blade is pretty pretty broken um but like just having these talents uh i think is is super cool and i like i mean from from the picture that is on that cover, like I think a nature or something 
something like that, something druidy, I think would be cool. I mean, I'm gonna be. I mean, I I like Ranger, um, and I'm hoping for just like a better, either a better hero or just like better generic like Ranger things. You know, Azalea is pretty cool. She has a pretty cool effect. Um, maybe give um, you know, hoping for better generic arrows. Um, something like that. Give me a better weapon, better like some slightly more support, just because uh, Azalea seems like she's pretty good in Blitz, but uh, you know, in CC that there's there's a lot more hoops to jump through uh, to really get her working, and so. Um. So yeah, something, just some ranger support would be nice. Um, or just a brand new ranger with a better ability, and maybe you know doesn't just lose to a command and conquer or something like that. You know. What about you guys? Yeah, I was gonna. Let me see how this works. I don't know if this is how this works. Okay, so I posted the uh, the like sort of like um, like uh, reveal um, uh, picture or, of Tales of Aria. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys want to kind of look at it to kind of like to kind of like draw from it and figure out. Um, so you so you mentioned Ranger, and that's obviously kind of like it looks like she's got like a sort of like either bow. crystalline bow. Um, so. Uh, if you guys don't mind me jumping in, I do know some of the lore about Arya. I, I've been watching some some lore videos, and um, it just it just so happens that Bravo is from Arya. Uh, so a lot of the lore videos I've been watching about him tend to kind of bleed into this. Um, but did you want to talk about any of this, Elsusus, before I before I start? Um, no, I mean I'm just excited to see what the uh, what the talents are. Um, I guess like one thing one thing that I that I mean I'm a little worried about is just like eventually over time like you know these generic like warrior without a talent you know heroes the talentless heroes are gonna like fall to the wayside like I mean it'd be nice to get like a Dorinthia with a talent so I can still use you know singing seal blade seal blade supremacy and stuff like that but also have access to you know more cards or talent specific cards. But uh, you can you can go on with the lore. Okay. Uh, well, another tangent based off of that. Uh, something that I've talked with Adam about is um, he what he what he deems to make a uh, uh, what what he deems that separates a good company from a bad company is how does the how does that company handle the first time they make what is quote unquote what would be considered a bad set, right? And that kind of draws into what you've said, where it's like is eventually is are the heroes without talents eventually going to be like unplayable because their power level just isn't anywhere near where the talent the the talent based heroes are at right and uh and because this is a non-rotating format um is that something that needs to be addressed eventually and mm-hmm. so i think that just that that'll just happen with time um with monarch being the first set that has talents uh chain and Prism are the only ones that have kind of really made a splash in the meta. Chain specifically being very powerful uh, for kind of like the way that he plays and the things that he's doing are 
are um they sometimes feel insurmountable right but uh but at the same time like you know i play a lot of bravo and i i only really if, if i could pick my first you know like you know my, my first nine rounds of day one at the calling is i, I would like for them to all be chained because that, that matchup is very much in my favor right and uh my because my hero's my hero's biggest thing is just like well, i deal a lot of damage and my 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 unhit effects are back breaking to a chain player right um literally yeah <laughs> uh, um but yeah so enough of that but so yeah so tales of aria aria is a land that is kind of separated from the the rest of uh, wraith in the sense that it it belongs on it belongs on, like it belongs to the continent of wraith but it is sort of like surrounded by this um very um like the, by this like magical barrier uh it's called the flow everything that 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 derives from aria is is always is always connected to the flow which is like a life force giving energy and so um like i mentioned bravo is from is is from aria uh what happens in aria is kind of is aria's pretty pretty relaxed in terms of like being a nation the people there don't don't want for anything um aria provides uh is very bountiful um the land is the land is beautiful uh they have every natural resource they could think of most people there don't even know what money is they just trade stuff with each other so a lot of the talents i mean i was gonna say talents a lot of the like jobs that come from aria are like bards uh showmen like for example bravo is a showman he he was a part of a circus crew uh um a, a circus what are they called uh, a circus uh, yeah, yeah, yeah but like it, it's, it's like another word for for a like troop? a troop there he was part of a circus troop called the legendarium um and bravo grew up listening to stories about like these like ancient guardians who would watch over aria when when aria at the time was uh when the flow wasn't at its peak and so the guardians would 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 stand would stand ground and defend the borders of aria from anything right and and bravo grew up basically in a circus because like the entire entirety of aria's ecosystem uh, economy is based off of like entertaining people and just like being an entertainer just kind of having fun right um they have some of the best alcohol in all of Wraith. That's like a direct quote, I think, from from one of the lore books. Um, when when people try to go to Arya, uh, Arya itself either deems you worthy or unworthy of entering. Um, so uh, there are wizards who try to go to Arya to to practice, uh, like kind of like messing with the flow and understanding what the flow is and trying to like trying to incorporate that into their magics. Um, so there are there are basically the so so one of the things that people have been speculating is like whether or not we'll get like a bard there are illusionists in aria people are saying we might get a second illusionist hero right off the bat um there are obviously guardians because bravo is from aria and the guardians at the at, at the current time current timelines do exist um so what i would want from aria is obviously more more guardian support uh generic is fine but what i really want is some sort of like nature based uh guardian kind of like how you mentioned like a druid and that would be so cool to me like maybe someone who has like 
two forms, right? Like, you know, he's, he's like a shaman or a druid and he can transform into like a sort of animal form, right? It's very, it's very like druid, druid-esque to be able to do something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And being able to take the form of like a bear is like, okay, well, your attacks are still going to be big because you're a guardian, but you're also, also big because you're, you know, you're a fucking bear. Um, Will but yeah. Club? Uh, or hammer. <laughs> um so that's kind of like the that's kind of what Ari is about it's it's very magical very whimsical kind of like lost in time almost um uh and so yeah that's uh that's like a little like a little backstory in aria there what about you man uh so yeah so i've kind of heard some of that Aria lore, I'm not super big on it. So mm-hmm. I've kind of got uh, that to work with and then what we see. Um, but I think the the two things I am most looking for seeing in the new set is I'd like to see a new wizard class. Uh, because I've been playing a lot of Kano and I've been enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I would like to see another illusionist, which I think was also one of the rumored, as you explained, there are illusionists there. Mm-hmm. Although a bard there would be cool as well. Mm. Uh, for wizard, I would really like to see something really defensive. Uh, where we have Kano, who plays at instant speed, he uses non-attack actions, and he kind of punishes himself for playing cards that aren't non-attack actions. I'd like to see a second wizard come out where his deck's a little bit more flexible, or maybe he plays in the same non-attack way, but he maybe plays more defensive and punishes your opponent in a different way, mm-hmm. or he's got more defensive reactions, or he plays like auras like Prism or Bravo do, yeah. and uh, gets value off of them. What a uh, talent do you think that that might uh, align itself with? Uh. I think you could easily, I don't, you know, it's hard to say because it is it, really like you think they'd make two talents that are based off of each other, but they could really be anything because like we had light and shadow, which are opposites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so there's no real set pattern to, to kind of guess yet. But so I think there's like a fire wizard, I guess like an ice wizard would be interesting. Where he so I'm glad, some, like, I'm glad you mentioned that. Something. Mm-hmm. Because there is this cool, like, little other little tidbit of Aria that I forgot to mention is like, there actually is an area that is perpetually covered in storms. And then there's another area that is perpetually, like, basically a blizzard. And in the blizzard area, uh, there are people who try to traverse the blizzard to get to the, to, to Aizen's Peak. Uh, Aizen's Peak is where a lot of the guardians are at. And if you ever, if you ever, if you ever stray from the path that the blizzard wants you to take, it instantly transports you. Back to the beginning of the of the trail. That's hmm. some video game stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's literally the trying to get into the forest in Breath of the Wild that I was doing. Yeah, I was doing earlier, <laughs> like the forest that has the uh, the master sword in it. It's just all fog, and if you go in the wrong way, it just sends you back to where you were. Um. Well, I know that. Uh. Well, you were saying in the lore that uh, was it flow. Right, flow yes. is the flow. Flow is the life energy of Aria. So I guess if they want to use that as a talent, and like you were saying, Matt, light and shadow, those are the opposites. So like flow, something that's the that, opposite of flow. That would be difficult per se. 
flow isn't really a it would be hard to call it a talent because it's just it's just like it's just like raw life energy so you've seen the artwork for crippling crush right yeah that, yeah, yeah. that, that artwork is derived from the moment in which uh bravo summoned summoned like so like basically the aria imbued him with flow and that's how he that's how he does crippling crush um gotcha yeah yeah so it's not really a ten it's it's more like it's like it's just raw energy right it's just like it's just like chakra or whatever in naruto it's just mana in 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 uh in the magic lore it's just it's just raw life energy so um something like something like a frost mage would make a lot of sense coming from aria because like i said there is that place that has the perpetual blizzard something mm-hmm. like something like maybe like nature slash like storm kind of like how uh uh shamans do in uh in wizards in, in, uh, in world of warcraft they do like lightning they do like lightning spells and stuff because there is an area in aria that is a perpetual storm mm-hmm. uh, uh so i mean again again it could be flow uh some people have also mentioned that there might be it, there might be something really uh, like off the cuff like crystal energy people think that this bow on this ranger looks like a crystal bow there are there are naturally occurring animals and uh uh plant life in aria that are that are formed that are formed and look like crystals there's like a crystal lion or some shit like that that's on the picture of um of uh rouse the ancients it's at the very bottom and it's in and that 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 crystal line has shown up in some other artwork that's in the big lore book i'm looking at the rouse the ancients right now yeah yeah at the very bottom left there's like a little crystal line and he's and he's being ridden by a like what's basically like uh fuck what are those called uh satyr no, 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 no. There's like little monkey things that like ride that that like mess with people in Aria, and that like sometimes ride on the back of animals. Uh, something like this? No, nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So mm-hmm. something like a Frost Sister, I agree, would be fucking cool. Something that plays way more defensively and totally opposite to what Kano's doing. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 really what I wanted to out of Tales of Aria is just more uniqueness, right? Mm-hmm. Where you had like Bolton and Chain uh, and Livia who play essentially just super different from the people who already exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if they're going to repeat classes, which I, I assume they will, at least a couple, that we'll get just unique ways to play that class like you know maybe if they come up with a ranger we'll see more arsenal use with mm-hmm. arrows and whatnot but she won't try to do it in the same way azalea does mm-hmm. yeah. whatever that might entail or you know a wizard who still plays at instant speed or still you know kind of lacks attack actions but just wants to form their deck in a different way and play a different style what are y'all's thoughts on allies effectively creatures you put on your board because we had we had that introduced in monarch right with uh ursor and the the shadow reaper guy or whatever the other guy the one that chain and levia can make right um those are considered generally weak um so because i was thinking when you mentioned that uh the guardians would play or that the classes should play different from each other because they do and so then to me a, a guardian that just turns into a bear and hits you really hard is still effectively bravo 
right? But you're just a bear now, so you're just in a big bear suit. So then, how would something like that? How would a how would a guardian play different from differently from Bravo? And and I started kind of thinking about like, what if what if he summoned like um, creatures, right, to the board, right? Uh, maybe the, like you know he you know he he could he could summon a, like a bear, right, or he could summon you know some sort of animal, like maybe like maybe that's his thing where he he brings like um like he 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 utilizes allies more more than 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 anyone else in the game but that's how that guardian plays uh but i wanted to get y'all's thoughts on what how you thought allies what 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 direction allies should go in because it is one of the things that matthew and i talk about with other games is when you play a creature it's something that just sits there and exists mm-hmm. where the difference is when you play a spell it has a one-time effect for the most part and so like creatures have to be dealt with and if not then they are just simply free sources of advantage right depending on whatever game you're playing there's a lot of different ways they could go with it and like you said there are uh examples that are already kind of in we have the mentors for the young heroes (laughs) um we have things like prism's auras which can effectively act like creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, uh, like even like a library, which is just a an aura that is effectively permanent, unlike Bravo's auras, which like to destroy themselves. Um, and so, if you have something like like Urser and and um, I don't know what's Levia's guy's name. I don't. I don't know. The the guy that Doomsday makes. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, you have creatures. They're relatively easy to kill. Um, they are effectively weapons that can be attacked in like the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. They have an attack action on them, and they just kind of hang out normally. Yeah. Uh, and I believe neither one of them have real easy ways of getting go again which is a big part of their balancing issue mm-hmm. uh, not to mention that eclipse and doomsday aren't the easiest cards to to play mm-hmm. so if you had something that kind of made them uh every turn or every few turns that kind of forced your opponent to attack them to me it's not that big of a deal because like I said earlier, it just feels like you're getting an extra weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as they don't like increase the amount of action economy you produce uh, too spectacularly, it feels like they would just be they could just be like the style of the character, right? Like Someone hey, having here. an animal companion me, and like a second, hold on. I need to take this call. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're good. And so you have like like a druid who summons a bear as their animal mm-hmm. companion and attacks with it kind of like how Prism attacks with her auras using Luminaris, where weapon doesn't do anything. Yeah. But it, it creates something that does. And and you can kind of create this similar kind of aspect that Luminaris creates with auras or Maybe a, a easier to do doomsday or eclipse, where you can kind of summon a random guy and then 
if you figure out ways to give them go again or hmm. or yeah or maybe or maybe something like an attack action that like makes a token of a creature that you know is the attack and then maybe like it sticks around for a turn um, and it ha- and then like maybe it works kind of like armor where it can block or prevent a damage kind of like prisms like soul shield auras. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see something like that. Like something that I wouldn't want them to do is like, or I guess I guess it just depends on exactly how they do it. But um, like it could be a cool idea, or it could you know not be or something. Like if we get like a like a, I guess a traditional like D and D sort of ranger that has an animal companion. Like maybe the ranger has thirty life, and you know rather than forty, and then the animal companion has has its own like life total, maybe like five or six, something like that. And like, oh, that's cool. Like, like it starts, it starts on the board. Like it, it starts it, it, on the board, yeah. Oh, okay. that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I haven't thought about it like that. Like, she'd, it'd be her ability on her, her hero, and it'd be a passive more than likely. Yeah, something like something like how Dash just starts with like an item in play. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, did you just start with I don't know, like dog number Boo. one? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you, you, start, you start with you start Boo in play. <laughs> yeah, go for the eyes of Boo, <laughs> and then maybe maybe like uh, like that's just. Like in order for you to lose the game, like you have to lose both of them. Um, essentially, like you have to like, you know, defeat the ranger plus their companion, and you know maybe the attack action cards are just like, oh, you know, boo, go for the eyes or whatever, and then the, you know, the source is coming, like the damage source is coming from the uh, from the animal companion rather than like, you know, something like that. I could, th- I you know, that, and like that's the interesting. Attack- like the attack actions don't work if you don't have that like animal companion. Mm-hmm. So then now you have to leverage like, okay, well, do I attack the animal companion first and get rid of like, you know, X number of cards from my opponent's deck? Like those just become like block, like blocking and pitching for mana. But like, you know, you can only use these attack actions if you have the animal companion or the animal companion has its own like specializations or something like that. I think that'd be something that'd be really cool, but I could also see that becoming like way too good. If, you know, if they just don't really pay attention to, you know, something and just make like a 15 health animal companion and say like, you know, the, that, the, the hero has like, I don't know, 25 health and the animal companion has 15. And then, for some reason, the animal companion is just better than the hero, and the hero is just like so a twenty health shield for the animal. You're companion. actually just describing Lone Druid from Dota, which is exactly what I was gonna bring up. Because <laughs> <laughs> as you were describing the character, I'm like, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's just that's just Lone Druid from Dota. So in Dota, there's there's this character called Lone Druid, and one of his abilities is summon summon bear, right? And mm-hmm. and this bear stays around, stays on the board until it gets until it's either killed or I mean you know basically it has to get killed for it for it not to come back and then you can resummon of it if your ability is off of a cooldown but um the bear has its own abilities you can give it its own items and the bear has its own life total um however when the when when lone druid dies the bear dies with him if the bear dies lone druid does not die but lone druid does take uh like spirit link damage based on how much damage the bear is taking so I can I can see like that would be super interesting to have effectively two things you're fighting. Um I agree that the balance would have to be 
like very fine tuned. Um, mm-hmm. And depending on the play style of what they want from it, is 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 the druid the character that's kind of doing the stuff, or is the is the animal he has with him the one doing the stuff, right? Yeah. Like which one? Which one is at the forefront, and then which one is complementing the other one? Mm-hmm. So I agree. Like it sounds like very interesting design. It's a it's a space that I think um, like could definitely be explored. Whether or not they will because of balance issues is a whole other story. But I agree that that's that sounds fucking cool. And um, I'd be interested to see if they ever make something like that and 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 kind of like how they balance it. Yeah. The only thing I don't want to see out of if they make something like an ally or creatures or something is just something essentially uninteractable. Mm-hmm. Like I can just summon a guy, and it effectively allows me, let's say, pay two mana to attack for six every turn. Um, and there's nothing really my opponent can do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which so far they haven't done right. Urser and and whoever the other guy is can be attacked. Uh, all of Prismazaurus have spectral. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as they keep on doing something like that, where your opponent has counterplay against it, uh. I don't see a problem with with doing any kind of ally shift. Yeah, I think yeah, as long as it's interactable. But I mean, and, and and like like you mentioned, like so far they haven't done things like that. I mean, like I think the only things the only things that aren't really interactable with right now are like what the weapons, right? You can't really do anything to your opponent's weapon. You can yeah. block them. I mean, yeah. Besides blocking, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I yeah, guess, yes, yeah. you 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 cannot disarm your opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which would which would actually be a cool mechanic now that I mention it. Like it'd be a crush. Uh, gets a crush that. Uh, or like warrior gets a parry, right? Like parry this, you filthy casual, and then like lift, you lose your uh, you, you lose your weapon for like a turn or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like, could you imagine being being mm-hmm. having access to the ability to tell Ira you can't attack me with Kadachi's this turn? Like, or you or you can't attack incredible. me with like the. Or like the oh, like you can only attack with like or with like one weapon if it's like a two-handed person like yeah it's, it's, yeah just, something yeah. like that right yeah that, that I agree that actually sounds really cool yeah um I guess uh I mean since we're kind of at that like hour mark or so I guess uh last topic and we can keep this one pretty short just like what do we want what do we want from this uh from this podcast what are what are our dreams aspirations um and after this you know we'll go into our sponsors who have uh graciously <laughs> no i'm kidding graciously like, uh, been waiting <laughs> yeah uh just like what do we what do we want this podcast to be what do we because i know we were talking about that a little bit uh before we actually started recording but just to like get it on film or whatever uh what, i mean what do you, you, want, do you want do you want to go ahead and start like do you want to give you want to give your thoughts um i mean yeah i can uh I think like I, I, I just think like this this game has a lot of potential, especially with like how magic is sort of in a uh like in this really awkward stage where um like the pandemic was great for them in certain ways and or great for wizards and Hasbro and not as great for uh people uh or the people playing it, but um like I think this 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 game has a lot of potential, and I think, uh, like dreams for this podcast and dreams for Flesh and Blood would be like, oh, it takes off, you know, maybe maybe not as big as Magic, 
maybe as big as magic at some point but like you know we we can provide this sort of like not free form but like this like loose environment and just having like conversations about the games about reports tournament reports matchups meta games you know have aspects of that but really just having like just like nice like like conversations that we normally would have because like you know these are conversations that that we do have on the regular you know Mm -hmm. talking about matchups talking about lore things that we want uh ideas that we have about the game things that we like about the game things we don't like you know stuff like that uh but just giving just giving people access to you know just like three friends you know just talking like friends about something that you know we all play and the people who listen play you know yeah i mean i i agree with everything you said um yeah i mean yeah basically talking about the game i think that's that's the most important thing is giving our perspective on what what we're fan of what we're not fan of i think that's also really important is being able to talk about so many people always say that uh when you give them when you give something a negative light it's because you obviously hate it it's like well no that's not what it's that's not what it's about mm-hmm. like i i talk shit about dota all the time and it's still my favorite game of all time it's because i want i want to see it improved right so when you give when you give like you know adverse feedback or negative feedback whatever you want to call it it's because you want to see things change right it's because you care about it and you think that uh something needs to be done in order to address uh what's going on and you hope that it you know that it gets taken care of and i think lss from the uh you know from the articles that i've read from the interviews that i've seen with james white and some of the other developers uh they seem pretty attuned with the community and they seem like they're definitely listening they they absolutely want this game to thrive they they understand people's concerns about secondary markets it's why it's it's why Monarch Unlimited was released a month after, right? Matt Matt and mm. I both said that was incredibly smart. Like that's exactly what they should be doing with every every feature set moving forward. Is here's your first edition. Like collectors have you know go at it. Some 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 people will be able to grab a box here or there, but hey, a month later here's Unlimited, and you know about it. Don't worry about it. Like it like everything's in, like they're very transparent, right? Like the fact that they told us that Crucible Unlimited is going to be released in three waves, like. That 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 I mean that's that's pretty transparent for a company to do that, um, especially speaking in terms of like its finances, right? It's like it's, it, it isn't like they're they're trying to hype up Crystal Unlimited and they only tell us about the July 30th release, right? And then they wait a month and they're like, oh guys, don't worry, like here's another set, right? It's like, oh well, like fucking okay, I guess I could have waited for the next set. I don't have to like you know like fucking beat up that kid at Walmart for my Crystal Unlimited case or something, right? <laughs> we yeah. still but, might do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the fact that they were that they gave us the information. In the forefront on their official website, like guys, here's 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 how we're addressing Crucible Unlimited, and I want and I'm moving forward, like you know they they gave us Monarch Unlimited a, 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 exactly a month after Monarch First Edition, right? And they understand the secondary market is a thing, right? They're not they're not like they're not, they're not like wizards who treats it like they're fuck like like it's like this like uh, it's it's like it's like Voldemort to them, right? It's like like you know that which shall not be named or whatever, right? Like wizards absolutely ignores does not talk about it's it's probably you probably get fired on the spot if you mention the secondary market at wizards of the coast um but lss has you know been pretty pretty upfront about it they've been they've been transparent they're also kind of taken aback by this like big collector boom that happened during the pandemic because 
exactly what happened with everything, right? Like people mm-hmm. were ripping open Pokemon boxes for thousands of dollars, right? And that 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 sounded insane to me, right? Like that that was crazy. It's like it's like I was like, oh, why is that? Why is that set that just got released for standard a thousand dollars? Like that doesn't make any sense to me, except for the fact that people just wanted to have it. They just literally want to hold the thing in their hand and say that it belongs to them. Um, so flesh and blood, I think you know, fell prey to that, and that's part of the reason why. There was that like sort of semi like boom bust with Flesh and Blood where, you know, like when I first heard about it, like I could have bought an, an Alpha or Welcome to Wraith box from a star in Conroe for two hundred dollars. I called him that day that I that I kinda like really learned about the game and want to get into it. And I was like, Hey, you know, do you have do you have these sets? And they were like, Yeah, we have this like welcome to Wraith stuff or whatever. And I think it's the first edition because it says Alpha on the box. Uh, do you want to pick it up? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll think about it. I ended up not driving up there. You know, you know, but now I look back at it, it's like, yeah, that's a that's now a five thousand dollar box, right? That I could have bought for two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. He would have opened it. I definitely would have opened it. Uh, but even with the Crucible services, when you called me, I went, I like, I was at work and I was like, hey, you guys cover me for a little bit while I go do this for like an hour, and I and I drove my truck to to Coral Sword, bought the box, and instantly flipped it on the physical market. You know, for three times what I paid for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Looking back on it now, should have just opened it. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know Crucible. I didn't know Crucible was gonna be was gonna be so like <laughs> basically that Unlimited was not coming for a while. Um. But yeah, so I think moving forward, I think this podcast should just be about our personal experiences with the game. Um, us, you know, just kind of like talking shit, like how we always do. Mm-hmm. But we're at this point. But at this point, you know, we just have Craig recording it. Um. Uh, Craig. And our yeah, Craig. I said Craig, right? Or did I say yeah. Greg? Boy, Craig. Yeah, Craig. Yeah. Not crab. Um, not crab. Not crab. <laughs> I was I was about to type it in. Um. But yeah, I think that's kind of what I want is, um, kind of like our takes on it, uh, where we're at with the game, and to make sure that we don't just kind of like. That we don't play shills, right? Like that we aren't shills for the game, right? That we're not always talking about the greatness of flesh and blood and how LSS can do no wrong because we weren't like that for Wizards of the Coast, right? We were very vocal about our our mm-hmm. grievances with Wizards, so we should be we should do that exactly for LSS and for flesh and blood, right? Like when they when they fuck up, we talk about it and we're open about it and we we tell them like, hey, like this was obviously terrible and you guys mm-hmm. fucked it up. How'd you how'd you do to fix it, right? And as long as they respond in kind and that they, you know, that they do what they need to do, like, like, you know, we'll be happy campers, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Matt, what are your, uh, what are your hopes, aspirations, dreams for this podcast? <laughs> I mean, this is all bollocks, right? We're just doing this for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just talk about flesh and blood or whatever and, you know, give our thoughts on what we're playing and what's going on. Yeah, he says that until we get that fucking G Fuel sponsor. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> okay, I'll, I will start drinking it today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, you know, so, I'll hey, we're my, not I'll chilling my... out until we get that sponsor. Then you better believe <laughs> we are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. especially if we. Uh... If uh, I'm gonna wear a Geofuel hat every day if Geofuel is fucking playing fucking Raid Shadow Legends right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the other one, I got a fucking NordVPN running. 
Oh yeah, there we go. I mean, because I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, oh, do you ever, is... do, you, do you ever, do you ever feel like your, uh, like your internet is just not safe enough? <laughs> have you oh, seen my... the, have you seen the, 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 the Kibler videos where he does, he, he does them with a, with Shiro. Yeah. And he has Shiro oh, like God, type yeah. on the, type on the computer, the laptop or whatever for the NordVPN sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing that with Posty. If, if I get a NordVPN sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. Posty can get one. Parsnip will get one. Uh, Matt can get one. We'll get we'll get a, like a crab doll or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this this has been episode zero. Uh, from all of us here uh, to all of you guys at home, I don't have a sign. I don't have a sign off, but uh, Craig's gonna leave the chat now. Yeah, we'll we'll think Jay Money is the only listener. <laughs> hey, say what you will. He he logged into all of my all of my fucking Twitch streams when I had him. So shout Thanks. out to Jay Money for logging into my Twitch streams. Shout out to both of Rodrigo's Twitch streams. <laughs> I've had I've had three.